With the example of Father Capon, we are given a model of how to be hope to a hopeless world, to be light to a dark world, to be so filled with joy that people desire to be around us. There's an urgency in the world right now. I want to enter the mission territory. In fact, the Lord has called all of us into this battle for souls. He's not given anybody a pass on that. Welcome to the Foxhole. Good morning, everybody, and welcome to the Foxhole. My name is Jason Searle, and I have the honor of being chairman of Capon's Men, a men's faith formation group that started here in the Diocese of Wichita about six years ago. Uh, before we get started this morning and introduce our speaker, I'd like to direct you all and, first of all, thank everybody here that, that joins us each week on uh, on our podcast, and thanks for the shares and the likes, and I'd encourage you all to uh, check out all our original content at cadencemen.com, uh, our, our video series that we have out there, uh, particularly the one on pilgrimage uh, that we branched off and, and split away just from a message to men, but really a message for everybody, men and women, and we'd like to direct you uh, to that. Uh, you can find all that content as well for free at form.org. And again, uh, if you can share this uh, podcast, if it's meaningful to you, uh, please share that. And don't forget to give us a like either on Facebook or uh, rate us on, on whatever podcast application that you use, and if that's Apple, Spotify, or whatever. And we thank you for all the good ratings thus far. Uh, we've been honored every week to have uh, world-class speakers, uh, international speakers that uh, are big minds of the church and even bigger hearts, and, and here this morning we have uh, one of those as well. Uh, we're, again, we're just really honored at the, the depth and the breadth of the folks that have, have lined up and said they'll help us out with the podcast, share some insights to help motivate us each week, and uh, we've got Dom Qualia joining us from Florida here this morning. Dom's a co-founder of the 1010 Group. Uh, he's a speaker, author, musician, uh, and, and really moving the needle in, in faith and uh Tom was going to join us and, and they're super excited uh, uh, Dom speaks to to all the different elements of the church from youth groups to men's conferences to conferences uh, all over the US and some international as well uh, so we're uh, thankful to have Dom join us with a conversation with Joe uh, each week who's graciously served as our MC, uh, not just for the, the Foxhole podcast, but uh, has been our MC of our retreats that we have every October each year uh, without, without missing them. Uh, Joe's just been a fantastic advocate for Capon's Men, and we, we can't thank him enough. So I'm going to turn it over to these two to take it away here, and I think Joe's going to start us off with a prayer here. So thanks and welcome to the Foxhole, guys. Good morning, friends, and thank you, Jason. What an what an honor to I mean, what a great intro. I appreciate that. I appreciate everything that this time we've had in the foxhole. These times we've we've been challenged and encouraged and inspired. I, I'm in Pittsburgh, PA today, which is not normal. A Bengals fan and Steeler country, but I'm here for a few days, and and I'm really just so excited for what God is going to do in our little time together this morning because I I am good friends with Dom Quali. I've done ministry with him for a long time. And he's one of these people that you just can't help uh, but be encouraged when you talk to him. But before we do that, why don't we take a second? It's chaotic in the world around us. We're reemerging from quarantine. There's a lot of things going on in the world right now. So let's just take just a second here and just be still. And just let the Lord 
speak to us. In the name of the Father, Son, the Holy Spirit, amen. Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, friends, as I said earlier, Dom is, you're in for a treat today. If you were to ask my six children who their favorite person from the years we spent at camp ministering with thousands of teenagers, every kid, well, maybe not Isaac because he would have been too young, would say that Dom was their favorite, favorite person. He's one of those people with a contagious personality and a great story. So I want to jump right in and go right to the heart of the matter and just say, Dom, I know you may want to say a few little words of introduction, but I'd love it if you would share with everyone on the line because I heard it live, and it, it truly uh, it changed my heart in some sense, your story of how you came to know the Lord. So welcome, Dom, and how about sharing a little bit of how you came to know the Lord? Yeah, hey, thanks, Joe, and good morning, everybody. Uh, I, you know, Joe, it's funny because when I think about coming to know the Lord, it started at such a young age, but it was so gradual. It, it was one of... I wish I had one of those incredible conversion moments where the lights turned on and it was like, you know, that the train stops in the middle of the tracks kind of moment. But for me, it was really gradual. My entire life, I've been uh, practicing Catholic, you know, and my, my mom always took me to church every Sunday. And I was one of those kids, believe it or not, who I didn't, I didn't hate church. I actually didn't mind going. In fact, every Sunday I would show up and, and, uh, my pastor, Father Nolan, was this great Irish priest who was really kind, and he was a good storyteller, and he ended every homily with a joke, and so there was something to look forward to. And then every Mass afterwards, we had coffee and donuts, you know. And so this little routine I was in actually was pretty enjoyable, and I did not see any reason to engage any further. And, and I think, had it not been for uh, some dynamic ministry I'll tell you about in a second, I don't think I ever would have engaged any further. I, I understood that there was these great stories about God that I was hearing, and I understood that, you know, I guess at least theoretically he was a, uh, a real person and loved me. And I didn't need to go much further than that. I wasn't really interested in hearing anymore or doing anymore until uh, I went on a retreat that I very much did not want to go on. And somebody invited me and said, hey, you might like this kind of thing. There's a lot more, you know, I, I was in high school and someone said, hey, there's like, there's like 100 girls on the retreat and like 20 guys. So you might, you might like it. It might work out. So I said, okay, it doesn't sound terrible. You know, so I, I go on this retreat and the, one of like, I think that maybe Saturday night, see, my friends and I had stolen the schedule um, from like our small group leader to see what, the, what was happening during the day. And on the schedule, it said there was something called adoration on Saturday night, and I didn't know what this was. I'd never heard of it, but I noticed that it had, I think it had two hours on the schedule. So we all figured it must have been a movie, and so we're like, hey, you know, Saturday night movie night is going to be great. So me and me and my friends show up to Adoration with, like, blankets and snacks, like Twizzlers and candy and stuff like that, and we walk up to the door, like, hey, we're here for Adoration, and the youth minister is like, you're not going to need the blanket or the snacks. Go put that away and grab a Bible, like, Okay, this is the weirdest movie night ever, you know. But we show back up, and what, what happened over the next two hours is, you know, there was, there was music, and they process in with the Blessed Sacrament, and we just had this time of prayer. Now, I had no idea what was happening. And I'm not going to pretend that, you know, my eyes were open to all the truths of the faith in that one moment. 
But I left the room that night knowing that there was something about my faith that I didn't know. And actually, more importantly, I left the room that night knowing there was something about Jesus that I didn't know. But I, I knew that I needed to know it, and I wanted to know it. And that sort of just started the journey of faith that I'm on now, because I knew no longer was it something I was just a spectator of. It was something I needed to participate in. And making that transition, I feel like, is, is sort of my own conversion moment that, by the way, has to happen like every day. You know, almost every day I have to decide, I don't want to just be a spectator. I want to be a participator, and I, I want to get in the action. So that really kind of started it, and pretty shortly thereafter, my parents got divorced. And it was a really hard time for me. And so the, the, the church pretty instantly became kind of my family. And uh, I just, just never looked back. I mean, once, once you go through something and somebody kind of comes alongside you and accompanies you, you're, you're kind of in for life. And that, that's been the case for me. Now that, that is, <clears throat> I think sometimes, Dom, everyone feels like they don't have these huge moments. And to hear somebody who's on national stages and traveling the world talking about Jesus, who just has a, almost a, a gentle tender conversion story like i think that's that's one of those i think i find that super encouraging i want to switch gears with you a little bit dom and move into as i just said you are on the road prior to quarantine you were on the road every weekend all over the world and i think in england and other places as well is there a is there some message that you've kind of primarily stuck to and like what do you feel like god's speaking to you and, and has spoken through you and all these talks, and then maybe even as the quarantine has kind of gone on, has that message changed a little bit? Um, so share a little bit of that with the guys on the call. Yes, yeah, the, the, the message I've been mostly speaking about, for the, I would say for the first several years of my ministry, it was just the, the call to holiness, you know, this, this invitation to be holy that all of us have. I, you know, it's been said many times by many people, but we often have an idea that holiness is just a kind of a privilege for a select few people rather than kind of the invitation that is extended to all of us. And so for, for a while, I just was speaking about the call to holiness. Um, and I haven't really wavered from that, but more specifically in the last couple of years, I've been talking about the call to be fully alive. And again, that's, that's scriptural language. We, I didn't create it, and many people talk about it. I know they're in the, in the Diocese of Wichita with our friend Bishop Kemi. They have their men's conference is called Man Fully Alive, you know, and they're doing great ministry. So people who are, a lot of people who are doing great ministry have, have started to rally around this idea of helping people become more fully alive. But the reason I stuck to it so strongly is because Jesus said it was why he came. You know, and I thought just that that's just an incredible statement for him to make. It, well, he didn't even just say it's one of the perks of me being here. He didn't say... You know, I thought of it the other day, and I want to make it happen. Even if he had said that, we would take it seriously because it's Jesus. But he said, this is the reason why I came. And, and then he even gives us a warning. He says, the enemy comes to steal and to kill and destroy, but I have come that they would have life and have it to the fullest, have life in abundance. And, you know, Joe, I talk, uh, you've heard me talk about this before, that, that little word for life in, in that gospel. See, there's, there's three different words that are used for life in the Gospels that Jesus uses and other people use. And they, they're, you know, uh, one is like the biological life. One is 
suke, kind of this emotional or mental life, almost like how, kind of how you see things, the experience you've gained, your perspective, that kind of thing. Then there's this third word, again, that isn't like biological life, like a heart beating. The third word is zoe, and that is used when Jesus is talking about resurrection life. It's somebody who has sort of come back from the dead. It's this, it's this sort of awakening and like life flowing through the soul. And that's the word he uses for back to the original Greek when he says, I came that they would have life and have it in abundance. And so I think what Jesus is actually inviting us to is something much more than we even realize. What Jesus is saying is, I want the resurrection power that flows from the empty tomb to be active and awake and real in your life. And I don't think most people see it that way. I think we hear fully alive, but it sounds like such a pipe dream. It sounds so unattainable that I think most of us willingly settle for something less than fully alive because we just can't wrap our hands around what that looks like. But I think if we start to see that it's, it's no longer unattainable because of Christ's cross, death, and resurrection ultimately, being fully alive is not unattainable. In fact, he said it's the reason he came. And so I, I feel like a life spent seeking after that is, is worth living. Um, but to answer that second part, the way it's changed in quarantine is I've realized it is, it is a lot more about the work that is being done in us than the work that we're doing. And uh, quarantine has forced me to see that perspective because I'm, I'm an achiever, you know, I, I, I kind of, ha- without realizing it, have been placing my worth and my identity in what I achieve, what I accomplish, and it, it's, it's a frustrating way to live. It kind of gets you up every morning, but you go to bed kind of exhausted and frustrated every night. And uh, this quarantine obviously has taken all that away. I'm not able to do anything that I normally do. Like you said, I'm normally on the road every weekend and obviously haven't traveled since early March. And so it's been, I've been, fo- but you know what, I haven't been any less fully alive because as, as long as the Lord can do his work in us, it's not about the work that we're doing. It's about the work that we're allowing to be done in us. And so uh, being fully alive is a lot more about receiving than I originally thought it was. Oh, that's, that's, that's beautiful stuff, Dom. That's, that's good stuff. I hope everybody's letting that just sink in for a second. That's, that's gold, what you're saying. Dom, I, I, I respect you're the You're the younger part of 1010, and we always jokingly, you're the kind of the hipster part of 1010, as much as I desire to be that. But I know that you have an incredible effectiveness with young adults in the church. And there are a lot of people, including me, you know, who have children, I have six children, three of which are considered young adults, and some of them are struggling with finding their space in the church and maybe even saying things like, I don't know if there's full life there, Dad. You know, we're, can, can you just maybe for the people on this call who have children, grandchildren, who are even looking around in church saying, man, I don't see anybody young. Like, just speak into that a little bit because you are an inspiration to me. But I think a lot of people come to you, um, and, and, and you kind of have spoken to that space in the church. So give us a little, give us a little uh, understanding of that, Dom, from your perspective, and how can we as people in the church attract our children and grandchildren back in? Yeah, that's a great question. I, I, I think that's probably the, the million-dollar question when it comes to evangelization, because you have in the church you have so many 
different groups. I mean, I, you know, the, the church, really the body of Christ is so interesting. There's so many parts, right? Especially we see it in the Catholic Church with so many different ways of expression, so many different ages, so many different nationalities, all kind of coming under one roof to worship together. Uh, but you're right. It seems like as time goes on, that number of younger people kind of dwindles. And we're not, we're not lacking necessarily older people in the church. It's the younger people, you know, college and beyond, and even now before college. There, there's a couple of things I would say. The first thing is I think we have to be serious about investing in young people, like younger than, younger than high school even. I, a lot of studies I've read have showed that middle school is kind of that age where people decide to believe and to have an active faith uh, and if they don't decide then, the numbers that they will stick around drop drastically. So I think even, even as young as middle school, we need, to, we need to be attentive to them and not just treat them as little kids who don't know what they're doing yet. Um, because that, there is a decision point that happens there that's really important. But also in high school and college and beyond, a lot of studies show that people who, who are involved and engaged, who have some sort of responsibility, who take some sort of ownership – stick around in much larger numbers than people who, who have listed that they didn't feel like they had any responsibility at church. So I'm not necessarily saying we have to just put everybody to work, but I think encouraging young people to take some ownership, not again, not just to simply be a spectator, but to be a participant, you know, to get involved. That's, that's really key. I think a lot of times we're just, you know, we tell them to just kind of sit there and be quiet and just listen and learn something. But I think most importantly as a church, we have to be welcoming and authentic it, we, because so I think often when people think about ministering to young people, it's about seeming uh, cool, you know, for lack of a better term, but it's really not about being cool. It's about being relevant. I've read a lot of studies where they've polled young people themselves, which by the way is important because the whole point is that we shouldn't necessarily be trying to just figure out what young people want without asking them. You know, it's much easier as a young person, I can say just, just to ask us. But everyone knows the line from Pope Paul VI, modern man listens more willingly to witnesses than to teachers. And if he does listen to teachers, it's because they are witnesses. It's so crucial to be authentic. Like we're all on this journey of life together. And young people are looking for mentors. They're looking for wisdom. They're looking for someone to, who's been on the road before to kind of help show them the way. And when the church becomes more kind of preachy and more, um, you, you know, with this sort of feeling of superiority, I think young people can't really find their way in that. They're looking for someone to guide them um, and also to guide them in the truth. So I think we, we, we have to be unwavering on the teach and, you know, the teachings of the faith. We can't try to stay current with the modern age and change what we believe based on what the culture is preaching. But also we have to be authentic and welcoming. I think once they see that people in the church care about them, and are actually willing to journey with them and be patient with them, they'll have a reason to stick around. I would, I would be willing to bet if, uh, if you ask young people why they left, they'll tell you that they didn't feel like it was authentic and they didn't feel like they encountered somebody who actually cared about them individually and cared about their journey. The, the, the problem, of course, is it's a numbers game, right? One person who's really excited about this idea probably can't effectively lead all 200 people in their parish who are young. It's, you know, you could, one person, I mean, how many people can you lead? Maybe five or 10 you can have a relationship with. And so it's a numbers game. We really need people to get involved if we're going to keep young people around. 
that's now dom as someone who is cool though it's okay if you're cool though right yeah yeah joe i don't think it'll be a problem for you i think i think your coolness is, is only going to help but for okay you know, I, just, I, I want to make sure like I, yeah if anybody feels like that's unattainable or like what does that even mean it's much more important to just be relevant which is simply to to speak their language you know with if you look at like with social media with cell phones young people are more clued into what's going on in the world than they ever have been uh, just in terms of statistics and them knowing what's happening all over the world at any given moment and so being able to relate the faith to something that might actually be happening in their lives that's really all relevant is you know it's not as scary as it sounds yeah yeah I, I something you said the other day to me and, and I could talk to you for hours we could go on all day because your, your insights are so interesting to me but you mentioned silence and I start I've started the calls the entire time with some silence do you mind just giving me a quick snippet of how maybe silence has moved to the forefront of your prayer life and your life in general and I think um, I just would love for people to be encouraged by that because I think, I think God is working in your heart in that silence. So speak to us a little bit about that, Dom. Yeah, thanks, Joe. You know, the, the basis of it is I was just felt convicted one day, honestly, in, in the midst of a really, really busy travel day. I, uh, I, I put on headphones. You know, there was a guy, I was sitting in the Delta Sky Club, and uh, the only reason that detail is important is because it's a, it's a quiet place that people, you know, pay a premium to go in there and enjoy a quiet place and there was a guy who had his headphones in but they weren't plugged in all the way and so he was listening to this really loud like Caribbean music and uh, it was coming just out of his computer but he thought his headphones were plugged in and so it was, it was just annoying everybody around him and he didn't have any idea that it wasn't coming out of his headphones you know so the whole club is listening to this loud Caribbean music and I just looked at this and I thought you know this is kind of an analogy for what happens when a Christian is not tuned into the heart of God, is, is what we think we're actually plugged in, but we're not. And when you're not plugged into the source, it kind of distorts the message, and everybody around you just ends up getting frustrated. And I started thinking about this in terms of just plugging in for prayer. First of all, what's the problem? There's too much noise. We, we, we know this is not, this is not news. We, we live in a busy culture and with cell phones and everything else there are so many expectations that are constantly speaking to people of where you should be what you should be doing what you should be getting paid where your social life should be where your relationships should be I mean there's all of that right and most of them end with I'll be happy when blank but these these ideas of who we should be or where we should be they kind of paralyze us and the solution is silence this is this again this is not a new thing there are actual scientific reasons behind this. You know, noise pollution has been found to lead to higher blood pressure. You know, they put, they put patients in hospital wings by, by like areas of the hospital that were under construction, and, and all those patients had higher blood pressure than the ones who were in quiet wings. Um, but also the things that demand our attention, they put a real strain on our brains, on our prefrontal cortex. And we have to actually give our brains, a, like, the cognitive resources a chance to restore. So all of that, obviously, from, even from a scientific standpoint, is, is, is true about needing silence, but it's so much more than that. You know, St. John of the Cross said, silence is God's first language. And I just think that if, if, if we can learn how to be quiet, if we can learn how to be silent, I think that God does his best work there. And see, we know that silence is important because we honor things that are important with a moment of silence. So I think all of us understand 
that silence is important, but moments of silence often are just a time to pause. And it's learning to do that every day and not let the pause just be a blank, empty spot in our day, but let a pause be filled with hope. Let a pause be filled with um, listening. You know, we're, we're really good at talking, not as good at listening. And, you know, everyone knows the Blaise Pascal, not everyone, but it's been used a lot before, the Blaise Pascal quote, all of humanity's problems stem from man's inability to sit quietly in a room alone. I think if we do that, Joe, I think we'll get direction instead of distraction. And I think we'll really answer that call from the Psalms to be still and know that he is God. I love that he says, be still. He doesn't say, stay busy and know that I am God. Be still is literally in there as an instruction. So even if I don't understand why I'm being still all the time, I have to do it because it's in there. Yeah, that's, that's beautiful stuff. Thank, thank you, Dom, for the encouragement. I hope everybody's uh, catching that and, and maybe take a little extra silence today. Dom, we're going to have to begin to head out of here, but I wanted to give you a second uh, just to share a little bit of something in your ministry that you're seeing that, or that you're excited to share with us so the guys can find you and people can tune into what you're doing. And then at the end of that, if you don't mind, Dom, just take us into prayer. And then as soon as your prayer is over, Scott will jump in and close the call. But I want to thank you um, as your brother and someone who's accompanied you for years for all of your goodness and for coming on this call. So share a little bit about how they can find you, what you got coming up exciting, and then let's pray us out of here, Dom. Sure thing. Sure thing. Yeah, thanks, Joe. Thanks for having me. And thanks, everybody, for tuning in this morning. Yeah, if you want to hear any more of our, our ministry, you can find it at the1010group.com. 10 is spelled out, the1010group.com. If you, if you see my name on the title, you, know, you can look up my Instagram and Twitter and all that where I post a lot of thoughts and little videos. And we, we post a weekly reflection called Launch every single week that kind of helps you take the Sunday readings and actually apply them to the week. On, so that goes out on Mondays. All that kind of stuff is available online. Most of it can just most easily be found at the1010group.com. And that's kind of, that's, you know, I, I write and I speak and you can see if I'll be in your area or something like that. But, but most of it, again, all of it's for free and all of it's at the1010group.com. That's probably the best place to go if, if, if the message of Fully Alive speaks to you, if you want to hear more about that. And then further, I would just say, um, just to, just, I would ask for you to keep praying for me. And uh, my wife is a musician and, and most of my friends are, you know, workers in the church and so we're really trying to figure out how to help the church in through this time and how to kind of get back to work in this season of quarantine so of course your prayers would be appreciated for that and uh, I'll, be, I'll be praying for you as well and speaking of prayer i just want to close our time in prayer just in gratitude for the time that god's given us here together lord we just thank you for the spirit of peace that you bring over this place we thank you for um, a new day to rise and to serve you, to love you, to respond to you, to accept your invitation, and we ask for the grace and the courage to do just that. We ask you to uh, remove any distractions um, this morning and help us to know that we are your beloved sons. Help us to know that we are called to be workers in the vineyard, to, to sit and receive Help us know that we are called first to be disciples, to sit at your feet and to learn. Before we're ever called to be apostles, before we're ever sent out, we have to sit at your feet and receive. And so we just ask for the, the grace to do that this morning. And help us not attach our identity or our worth to anything, any sense of achievement that comes after this moment. Help our identity and our worth be solidified in this moment of knowing who we are in your sight and who you've called us to be. And help that empower us to go out and be 
the people who you've created us to be, the people who the world needs us to be, the people who the church needs us to be. We thank you. We ask for St. Joseph, the terror of demons, to pray for us. Lord, would you help us fully alive? We ask this in your name. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much, Tom, um, for joining us. Thank you for your message. Uh, I think what a great reminder that we can all get caught up in everything that we have to do. I know that personally for me, um, you're coming out of quarantine a little bit here in Kansas. Um, yeah, it seems like it's busier than ever. And so just that reminder of slowing down and um, receiving from the Lord that we're fully alive, not when we do, 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 but because of who we are in relationship with God. And I think that's such a great message for all of us this week uh, to listen to and hopefully focus on to see the areas, the ways that God wants to, to give good things to us So uh, and, and make us into saints. So uh, thanks so much for that message. Uh, guys, next week we have a great guest, Michelle Benzinger, joining us. She's a co-host of the Abiding Together podcast. And we're really looking forward to having her. She'll have some great insight for us. And the following week, we will have Will Peterson, who is a young grad from Notre Dame, who started a website called Modern Catholic Pilgrim to uh, kind of re- revitalize pilgrimages here in the United States, as well as the, the hospitality that surrounds them. So we've got uh, really cool guests uh, the next couple of weeks to follow up uh, this one today with Dom. So we hope you'll continue to join us on these calls. And as always, uh, you can listen to us on the podcast as well. And we want to thank you for joining us in the foxhole. And let's all be saints. Thanks for joining us in the foxhole. As we go, we're blessed to leave you with these words from Father Capon himself. We can surely expect that in our own lives there will come a time when we must make a choice between being loyal to the true faith or of giving allegiance to something else which is either opposed to or not in alliance with our faith. O God, we ask of Thee to give us the courage to be ever faithful to Thee. Blessed are they who suffer persecution for justice' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. May the blessing of God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit descend upon all of you. Amen.